0: Lord, we thank you, we praise you, we magnify you, we exalt your name. We pray that the name of Jesus Christ would be exalted. He is the epitome of integrity. He's modeled that. We worship you, Jesus. You continue to be the same yesterday, today, and forever. And even as your servant uh, Charles Wesley declared many, many years ago that all things, as they change... They proclaim Jesus Christ eternally the same. Everything as it changes proclaims that Jesus is eternally the same. And so we bless you for your faithfulness, for your integrity, for your glory and your honor, and for your great compassion and pity on us that you would dare incorporate us into your great plans and purposes. So we thank you and we praise you. Amen. You may be seated. Mark chapter 4. I'm going to read three verses, four verses. It's uh, verse number 26 through 29, a parable. I'm going to just use it as a springboard for a message that we're going to call today Seeds of Change. I hope I didn't plagiarize anyone's title. I didn't mean to if I did, you know. Seeds of Change, that's just kind of how it came to me. As you're turning there, I want you to be able to just hear someone like myself read it, but follow along if you can. And he was saying, that would be Jesus, Jesus was saying, let me just paint a picture here for a moment, and that is that Jesus came and he healed people and he restored people and he challenged people and he rescued people and he delivered people. And he demonstrated amazing miracles, signs and wonders, each and every one of them changing people's lives. And that then out of those things that would happen, people would gather, there would be a crowd, and they would gather together and they listened to him and he would begin to teach them. So the thing that I want you to understand is the touch of Jesus will transform your heart if you let it but the words of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus will transform your life as you begin to follow and model and, uh, and and abide by them. So Jesus is now teaching and he's saying the kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil. And he goes to bed at night and gets up by day and the seed sprouts and grows by day. And the seed sprouts and grows How he himself does not know. Let me read that again. I think I got it wrong. Verse 27. And he goes to bed at night and gets up by day, and the seed sprouts and grows. How he does not know. The soil produces crop by itself. First the blade, then the head, then the mature grain in the head. But when the crop permits, he immediately puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. So I want you to just think with me for a moment. Jesus began demonstrating the signs that the kingdom of God was with him. We know that the kingdom of God had come to the earth because the king had come. So where the king goes, there's the kingdom. So Jesus begins to do things and to demonstrate God's love and care for people. He begins restoring people. They're kind of surprised by that. They're amazed by that. They gather around, and then he begins to teach. As he begins to teach them, then he begins to teach them things that have to do with the kingdom of God or the values of heaven. I want us to just think for a moment that when Jesus taught, and he taught in parables, he wanted people to understand that in their current world, in their current climate, and their current culture, there were things that everybody considered social norms, but he came and challenged all those social norms, and he began to teach them about a kingdom or a realm that he had come from. He had come from heaven. He had come to the earth. He brought the very heart of the Father, and there he is on the earth, and he's trying to get people who are so, so used to life as it was that even though they went to synagogue and they were hearing the word of god they weren't hearing even though they were seeing the temple and the sacrifices they weren't seeing there were people who were in the culture and we don't understand just how diverse jesus culture was you have no idea how diverse it was it wasn't just the romans it was the fact that jews had been carried away into captivity into other nations and then they trickled back in they brought with them their cultures and customs. Palestine was a very, very diverse place. Judaism was not the predominant religion. It was, it was a, at one time it had been, but now it was sort of a subculture. The dominant religion was more pagan than anything, more secular. And into that culture, Jesus comes and he brings something from another world and he begins healing and restoring and it opens people's eyes and they're captivated by it because they've never seen anything like this and then he begins to teach them and when he teaches them he's got a mixture of people from all different kinds of backgrounds all kinds of lifestyles backgrounds education lack of education crafts and trades lack of thereof so to the shepherd Jesus was A shepherd to the fishermen he was a fisherman to the carpenters he was a carpenter but to the average people most of the people understood the very very basics of farming so in an agricultural society Jesus was like a farmer to the farmers so in my mind I'm asking myself at the beginning of this year something that I think that all of us are and we sort of alluded to it today We really experienced things last year that we would not like to experience again. So we're hoping that 21 is going to be different than last year. But the question I have is, how do we hope that it's going to change? How do we hope that this world is going to be different this year than last year? Especially since some of the same conditions, many of the same conditions still exist in our culture today. How can there be a change? So I just want to look at Jesus and I say, okay, Jesus, how did you try to bring such a huge change to a world? And I know that you and I would say, well, he came to die. And that's true. That is so true. The biggest change of all is the transformation of the human heart. But what Jesus actually did, aside from that, a secondary thing was that he unleashed the kingdom of God. He planted, if you will, the rule and the reign of God on the earth so that those who submit their hearts willingly to the loving Father uh, would be governed by by God himself. And so he would actually get... What what would happen is that that the people would understand that Jesus is actually teaching them not just another way of life, but he he was teaching them... The way of life. So he was the way, he was the truth, and he was the life. So what mankind had forgotten for so many years was actually how to live in relationship with God. And Jesus, boy, I tell you, he was good at living in relationship with his Father. And, And Annie, I just loved your honesty and your transparency there. And the only thing I can say, not to add to it, but just to say, like, if you want, for me, when I need... To go back to the basics and find integrity again, I, I just have to get alone with Jesus, and I just have to say, Jesus, how's it going? Where where am I at? What's going on? <clears throat> so I uh, last year I figured out that I'm not middle aged. I for you know I've been living under a delusion for a while. You know I was middle aged, and I said something one time about you know me being a middle aged man, and someone said, Dude, you you plan to live to 125 or what? You know I mean unless you're going to live that long, you're not middle age. you're more like retirement age, Pastor Rich. And I'm like, really? I, you know, I don't, sometimes I, I don't feel that way, but sometimes I do, you know. But I I started asking the Lord, how can we change this year? And, but but mixed in with that, I was just saying, God, where am I at? Where are you and I at? And so I'm just going to be really honest with you and say that that I just said to the Lord, you know, like, I've been a father, and I think I know how to do that. I'm I'm not the worst. I'm not the best, but I I know how to do fathering without thinking about it. I know how to be a grandfather without even thinking about it. Same thing with pastoring, but I I don't think that Jesus is going to say, you know, welcome, Pastor Rich, you know, into heaven. I I, I don't think he's going to say that. I, I, you know, like I'm the only pastor in the world, or something. I don't know. I don't think that those things have to do with my identity. So I'm actually saying, okay, at this strategic point in my life, I really need to know what I am and who I am and what I should be doing. You know. um, So I mean, I, I guess I could always go back to playing bass, but I'm not sure after today. I don't know. You know. um, I don't know if there's a future in it for me, but I, I enjoy it. So what am I? Who am I? What can I do? And uh, what should I be doing? And actually, it it led me into a time of, I could have slipped into a little bit of remorse and depression. I could have slipped into that really easy, but it, it, it led me to a time of evaluation where I asked myself, who am I? What am I doing? What should I be doing? And by the way, Lord, I'm leading a group of people who are counting on me to know what in the world to do next. And I I haven't a clue. I mean, I barely survived last year, you know. So how do we do this? And uh, this was two or three days long. And after the two or three days of just, uh, you know, waiting on the Lord and being honest and just getting my heart out before the Lord, the Lord actually planted my heart, what I'm going to share with you today And he said to me, Rich, among everything else besides being a lover of God, you are called to plant seeds. So that at the end of your life, all you can say is, it's not what I've accomplished, it's not what I've not accomplished, all I have done is planted seeds. And brothers and sisters, when you have a wake-up moment like I did, you'll find out that's all you can do too. It's really all that you can do. Okay, so the seed is one thing, the soil is another thing, but I just, it just really, and I I know I've been very nostalgic over the last couple of weeks, and I I have to do it one more time. I have to talk about my dad one more time, only because he probably epitomized for me this value more than anyone else I know. And that was that my dad, being the youngest of uh, seven, and uh, his, dad, his dad had a farm. And so um, as the older boys went off to uh, World War II and into the military at the end of World War II, um, that only left one son at home for what would have been a large farm for, for one man. So my grandfather needed help. So my dad dropped out of school in high school or somewhere around there. And, um, and he, he helped my, uh, my grandfather on the farm. So, his life and his upbringing and his training was using tractors, repairing tractors, uh, digging holes, digging seed putting uh, planting seed uh, you know uh, all the other preparing fields, uh, planting fields, harvesting fields, uh, preparing the next field, and you know that all of that was great and I, I could tell you so many stories and I'm just in such a place where I better not. But I will just tell you this one, real quick, is that he also somehow or another um, found or acquired or got a hold of a baby raccoon. And he raised that raccoon and he trained that pac- raccoon and it became a pet. So he had this really, really fine raccoon pet on the farm. And there's a rumor that he actually traded my other grandfather. The raccoon for my mom. I'm not sure if that's true but I just thought I'd throw that out there. <clears throat> my dad was a farmer. Jesus was a farmer and he understood how planting seeds works. Now my dad had a, not a green thumb, he had a short thumb, a deformed thumb. It was like shortened I think on his right hand, um, not quite the full length of a, of a thumbnail and it was it was short and fat and his dad had that and I I think maybe one or two of his brothers had that and I don't know but I'm telling you it seems like that everyone who had that short thumb could could farm I mean they could grow things I don't have a short thumb I couldn't make anything grow it just you know I think my my son David he's been able to make things grow over in his place you know I think he might have got the gene I don't know It was really Hannah I don't know whatever you know but the thing is that that you know there's a, there's a knack to it but there's a certain principle that is really pretty predictable and 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 I want to just rehearse this with you for a moment because they have everything to do with what I, I believe the Lord wants to encourage us to do right here. Now now Jesus is going to teach them this profound thing about the value of the kingdom. He's actually going to show you like how to change your culture. What was Jesus doing when he was going around? he was ministering to people he was healing people he was leading people he was guiding people when he was doing these things what was he doing well primarily he was planting seeds he wasn't trying to plant a church he was you know he he was actually advancing the kingdom by planting these seeds so I want you to think about this with me so we're going to talk about planting seeds of change let me just give you one example right now um <clears throat> If, if, if there is any chance that the, the world that you live in has caused you to question uh, authority, government, politics, the news, the media, any of those dominant things in the culture, if, if, you've, if you've had any suspicions that there could be a little bit of corruption somewhere, all right let 's just pick on the church like annie did okay if if, if you 've ever suspected that there could be a little bit of corruption that has occurred at times in the church let 's just start with our own house right okay okay so so there 's two things you can do and, and and you know like one of them is you can lament it, you can gripe, you can complain, you can create a website or a blog, and you can talk about it all day long and make lots of money doing it i 'm telling you you can do that but but if you want to change it, you're gonna to have to plant something different. So I'm just gonna go out on a limb and say, if you're tired of corruption, the only thing I can tell you to do right now is to begin to plant seeds of integrity. <coughs> so listen, I'm not the brightest uh, tool in the shed, but I, I can tell you this, that, that there is more than one way to change your family, okay? So let's, let's just say, for instance, that uh, you have a family member that you love and care for very much and they have strayed or they've just been far, far, far from God and you've almost lost hope. You don't know what to do. You don't know how to help them. Well, all I can say is that, you, you know, you live your life as honestly as you know how to. You continue your testimony as honestly as you know how to. And any chance you get, you try to plant a seed in their life. By a word that is just very fitly spoken, and I'm am going to just tell you, I, I there, it, it breaks my heart that restaurants have been closed, so you're under pastoral orders to go eat at restaurants all this week, as much as you can hold, and as much money as you can you know contain there. But tip well, say you know bless the, the, the waiters and waitresses, and and just tell them that you've been praying for them. You understand it's been a hard time for them. Go there and just bless people and just plant a seed. I can't tell you how many times the Lord has used that little technique to begin something in people's lives. I can tell you that we know we know one waitress that just in a passing moment and a passing thought and a seed planted, I was able to say a word of encouragement and pray. And someone trying to have a child all of a sudden was able to have a child, you know. And I don't know about you, but th- that, I mean, it didn't change the world. It changed her world, okay. So I'm going to just ask you to consider planting seeds. So let's go through this. Let's, let's just, I'm, I'm not trying to dumb it down. I'm just trying to be methodical here. So let's just look at these steps here. Jesus began to teach, and I'm going to call it the law of the seed. So uh, I don't know if we're going to get our PowerPoint back online here, but if we can, I want to show you um, and and want you to consider with me that that the the very first thing that you and I want to just kind of hold in our heart right now is the law of the seed. The law of the seed. That's a very interesting thing that Jesus uh, led us to. He says, um, the kingdom of God is like a man. So he's saying, if you you want a picture of the kingdom of God, let me just tell you what it's like. Now just think if you had a chance to sit with, uh, I was going to say Steve Jobs, I guess probably that would be scary, but uh, Bill Gates. If you had a chance to sit with Bill Gates, sit down with him and say, I want you to teach me about computers. And he said, well, let me just tell you the first thing I know about computers. This is Jesus. He knows the kingdom. And here's what he says. The kingdom of God is like this. And this parable is sandwiched within or in the midst of several other parables about planting seeds. And he says to him, it's like a man man who um, casts seed Upon the soil. So he just took a seed and he just cast it out there on this soil. Okay. The law of the seed says this everything, literally everything, starts with a seed. There is nothing that doesn't begin with a seed. In Genesis chapter 1, it teaches us that he created vegetation to have seed within itself. And that seed would actually uh, bring forth life. It could replicate itself. So I want you to just think with me for a moment. Everything begins with a seed. A baby is a seed. Or well, it had a seed. You know that it began as a seed. A child is a seed. Think about God saying, "I'm going to change the world." So He sends a child. He planted a seed. All right. Uh, anger and hatred starts with a seed. It can be a seed of bitterness. It could be a seed of unforgiveness. It could be abuse, neglect, it hurt. It, there's all kinds of reasons. Anger is a human emotion given to us by God. We need to know how to use it. But I'm not talking about, I'm talking about a real evil kind of this world has been filled with a real evil kind of anger and kind of talk and kind of rhetoric that is absolutely because everybody believes their opinion is a matter of life and death everything but let me just say this before we try to decide any of that, because I can't figure it out. But I, I'll just tell you that it all starts with a seed. Someone planted a seed. I will talk with people. I can't tell you how many times I've had a conversation with someone. And what I'll do is I'll ask them how they came to that conclusion. Why do you believe that? Whatever. And, and because in the back of my mind, I'm knowing they didn't think that themselves. Someone planted a seed. Everything starts with a seed kindness starts with a seed love starts with a seed romance a family starts with a seed everything literally everything starts with a seed and without a seed you can't have replication multiplication so what God, what did jesus do he just came into the world he began to heal someone as he healed someone then he might say to them go and sin no more and he began to plant seeds A woman caught in adultery. Like, this is the epitome. Like, in the temple area, this is like the epitome. This is going to get every religious spirit up in an an uproar and anger and all of that sort of thing. But Jesus wasn't thinking about the religious leaders or rulers. He was actually thinking about the woman. So he dealt with the situation very, very amazingly. And then he planted a seed the seed was, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more, lest something worse come upon you. Uh, You know, Jesus actually, you know, he wasn't condoning adultery. He was not condoning sexual immorality. Anything, it was far from that. But what he was doing was actually... Planting a seed that would begin to sprout into something that would change the nature and the behavior. It would transform the heart. And what we all want is people to behave differently. That's the way people start to behave differently. We could just stop right here and say, look, if we just went home and planted a seed in our home. In our homes. Just start with our homes. Just start planting seed in our homes." let me ask you today right now be honest with me look at you guys at home and everybody online everybody in this room today let me what kind of seed are you planting in your home because there is something about the law of the seed and it says this that is that whatever you plant you will eventually get returned to you and and if it's planted in soil it which soil always represents people you, don't, you not only get it back like in the form that you put it there, but it's replicated. It's multiplied. The law of the seed says that everything begins with a seed, but without a seed, nothing starts. But when you do plant the seed, the law of the seed says that it will replicate itself. The second law, second thing is the law of the soil. And, and Jesus said that, you know, he plants the seed and he goes to bed at night. And he wakes up in the morning and looks at it, and there's a little bit of a plant trying to come through the ground. That's a mystery. How did that happen? I want you to think about how much of a mystery that is, okay? When you have a bag of corn sitting in your barn, it can sit in that burlap burlap bag. It can sit there for 20 years. It will never grow. It will not grow. Seed on top of itself doesn't grow it does not grow except for potatoes but they're weird they're kind of like zombies they <laughs> potatoes are just weird animals altogether. I, they will grow they eat themselves I don't I like potatoes but they scare me because they just grow without soil normally you have to take the seed and you have to put it in the soil The soil has life in itself. Well, actually, God told us in the book of Genesis, the seed has life in itself. Here's the deal is the seed has to hit the soil. If the seed doesn't go in the soil, there is no growth. It's real simple. It's not rocket science. It's real, real simple. The law of the soil says it has, okay, combined with the seed, it has life potential. The seed has life potential, but when combined with soil, it has life potential. I know, some of you are saying, yeah, but you gotta water it and you gotta cultivate it, pull the weeds and all that stuff, you know. That's why I'm not in farming. It's like, you know, it's hard work. But just generally speaking, if you take a seed, you put it in the ground, eventually it grows. How does that happen? Well, the seed has a little seed inside of itself. And the soil is the condition, the right condition. The seed and the soil together, all of a sudden, you get life growing. I'm hoping you're catching like how simple this is and how profound it is. Because let's just say that in the world that we live in, there is a wickedness and there's an evil, there's a darkness that is beginning to cover the earth. And we can say, let's shine, and that's what we should do. That's just who you are, you shine. But if you actually want to do something about the darkness... You got to start planting some seed in the darkness, which means that you and I have got to go to places and be with people that we didn't really want to go to and be with. Okay. I just tell you this real quick story. Um, on one occasion, um, our good friend uh, Alan Alan Ross was here, and I knew him. He's uh, you know an international prophet, tremendous man, tremendous testimony, a tremendous gift that God has given him, and I have watched him in many different circumstances and heard him prophesy in so many different occasions, and I just look at that and say, that's amazing. That's really, really an amazing gift. So then I asked the question, you know, so there's some people in our church that were building relationships with girls who were strippers and uh, trying to build bridges to them. So I just asked, is it possible that we could take an international prophet over to the strip club? And we wouldn't, you know, invite him into the strip club. We would actually invite the girls to come out and meet him. <clears throat> we had to entice them out with hot dogs and whatever, you know. So we enticed them to come out, and we introduced him to Alan. And Alan was a little bit uh, hesitant because, he, you know, he's away from home. He doesn't want to... In any way create a temptation or problem for himself or for his wife back home or anything like that so nothing but integrity he said you just have to promise me that there wouldn't be any compromising situations and I shouldn't see anything I shouldn't see and whatever you know I said Alan we'll do our best so we did our best and it was amazing because I've always believed this the gift that works inside the church it works outside the church the same gift works inside the church, works outside the church. In fact, sometimes it works better. <clears throat> so he would just—he was just standing there, and after a while, he kind of got into this. So a, a girl would come out. Some would eat hot dogs. Some wouldn't. We'd start to meet each other, and we'd start to talk to them and say, Hey, listen, um, we brought this guy, and um, he would like to pray for you. Do you mind if uh, he prays for you? Most of the girls, because their relationship had been built some people had done some hard work, built this relationship. So uh, a lot of the girls would say, yes, they would say, yeah, pray for me. And so he would say, well, what, what is it that you want me to pray for? You know, and they would, they would say, well, you know, I've got this child and, and, and go into a story and a story and tell us everything about her life. And then, then he would just say, well, let me pray for you. And he start to pray and he would pray for her, her felt needs the needs that she was feeling this, the things that she brought to him and as he prayed for them then he would spill over into prophecy and he would begin to speak life and destiny and purpose into their lives and these girls were wrecked by the amazing love of God that was willing to come to the darkness where they lived and bring light And sow and plant some seeds. So there's the law of the seed, which says nothing starts without a seed. Everything begins with a seed. There's the law of the soil. It has life potential. Then there's the law of the harvest. Well, now, uh, Jesus said that when the uh, crop permits, he immediately puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. What does the law of the harvest say? It's real simple. No planting. No harvesting. We are praying, we have been praying, many of us are praying for things, many of us, I'm going to prophesy, have been praying for years for things, asking God to do them, and God is not ready to do them, because you and I have not planted seed. You plant the seed, he'll do the miracle. You plant the seed, he'll do the miracle. Okay, so here's the thing I've learned a while ago is that uh, fish, there's fishing and there's planting. So Jesus talked to fishermen. He said, I want to make you fishers of men. I would love to catch fish, don't you? I'm telling you, there was a trout and I that had a wonderful time in the Yellow Breaches Creek. I can remember it clear as anything this past summer. And day after, or week after week, I kept going back to that same place looking for his brother. And his brother... <coughs> went to Canada or something, I don't know, but this beautiful trout got himself somehow tangled up in my line, and I caught him, and I pulled him out, and I said, that is one beautiful fish, and I took a selfie with him because I really wanted to kiss him, because he was so gorgeous. I mean, this was a gorgeous fish. And I'm like, I can't believe I caught this, you know. And I'm rejoicing over one fish that I caught. And I went back there week after week, and like all the fish went on vacation or something. I didn't catch any more beautiful fish like that. But I had some fun in the creek. Here's the thing is that Jesus taught Peter, James, and John. He taught them how to be fishers of men. How many of you know it's wonderful to catch the hearts of men? How many of you know that evangelism is a wonderful thing? Sharing your faith is a wonderful thing. Gathering in a harvest is a wonderful thing. Amen? It's more wonderful than that. Let me just tell you if you have led a soul to Christ, there is nothing like it. I mean, I'm holding this beautiful rainbow trout saying, man, there is no, ah, the smallmouth bass bass have nothing on you, buddy. You're wonderful. When you catch a prize, when you catch his soul, it's a wonderful thing. And some of us have sons and daughters and grandchildren and loved ones that we're hoping to catch, we're hoping to catch. And I'm going to pray in just a moment for all those that need to be caught. We're going to pray together that this is the year that they get caught. Okay, I'm all about that. I will fish with you all day long. I'm a hopeless fisherman. I will fish till there's no more hope. I will fish. But I'm going to tell you something better planting seeds in the soil of your children's life and over the course of a lifetime raising them up in the values of the kingdom, the the, the love of God, the things that you want to see, that is better than catching them when they're in their teens or when they're in college or whatever. I've got great news for you. For those of you who have teens or youth that are just kind of out there, it's just an amazing thing that right now many, many teens who had some kind of spiritual Um, upbringing or something sown into their life, they run home when they start having babies. They run home when they start having